Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. episode, we take a book-long elevator ride where a young man decides what fate awaits him. Will he stick to the rules or live to see another day? Hi, I'm Nicole. And I'm Robin. And this fortnight, we are discussing Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. Let's get into our factions. We have Will, Buck, Danny, Uncle Mark, Pop, um who is also Mikey Holloman, Frick, Sean, Riggs, and Will's mom. For our first topic, we have Will's mom, with the topic being the death of family members. So this this entire book is about a very particular set of traumas, and so the spoilers start immediately. Um, the mom's husband, older son, and brother-in-law were all killed. Um, I believe they were all killed yeah, by all guns. Yeah, all killed by gunshot. By gunshot. Most yep. killed in, like, revenge-style killings. Yeah. And, yeah, she's got... We, we, we get Will's perspective on his mom, and there's just, like, a lot of little things, like how she didn't go through her son's possessions after she died. To be clear, this is, like not very long after he died. Yeah. So in the story, it's possible she just didn't have time yet. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. We don't, we don't have a, I think it's a very short time frame. We either didn't really have a sense of it or it was explicitly a short time frame. I'm not totally think sure. It, yeah. I don't um, know that we ever got like a, a hard and fast, but, but there's definitely the implication of like this being a super recent emotional thing, which doesn't necessarily mean that it's a super recent time thing. Um, right. But. Yeah. So she, yeah, just husband, older son, and brother-in-law all gone. Um, her husband died when one son was seven or eight and the other was, I think, a baby. Like, the implication is that Will was too young to even remember his dad at all 
Yeah. Like, he, his memories of a, of a father figure are his older brother taking care of him. Yeah. Yeah. And his brother is a maximum of eight years older than him, because that's how old the brother was when the father yeah. died. Um, so, in terms of the trauma as it relates to the mom, and right now, and not as it waits to right. Will, did you... We've got two parts yeah. of this. Did you um, have any particular thoughts on the death? So, I... <sighs> I mean, we've kind of already walked a little bit through our our first part. Like all all of her rel- all of these people that are super important to her uh, are just part of this. Like, and we'll talk about this as our third topic specifically, but they're part of this almost chain of of murders. Um, and, and it's just it's like it, it's kind of one of those things where. We don't we don't get anything from her perspective because the entire book is is will and since it's poetry we don't even get really like third person memories or whatever like we don't get any of that uh, that other books sometimes have but we do kind of you can kind of get this feeling of like that anticipation in the way the book is is written of well when somebody dies you know that somebody else is going after their killer. And so if your family member is the one who went after somebody else's killer, well, they're next. They're next. Like, that's just kind of how it works in this, in this setup for this, for this book. And, and this is definitely speculation on our part, but it's, it's completely reasonable to think that she would have an, that she, uh, it's reasonable to think that she would have an expectation that they're going to die next. We don't have her thoughts on it. and Yeah. Like, we, it's not necessarily mm-hmm. like that cut and dried. It's not like, it's not like you re- avenge someone and so now you have like a literal target on your forehead. But if somebody thinks, and we do mm-hmm. actually know this explicitly, this is not speculation. If somebody else thinks that you did it, it's now the rule in the neighborhood. Like literally, like there is a mantra that our main character has that is a set of rules. And one of those rules is that you do get revenge always, mm-hmm. every time. And so it's not, it's not something that I'm, I'm even speculating. Like the book explicitly sets up, at least from, from the perspective of this child, to be fair. But the book explicitly sets mm-hmm. up that no, if you avenge someone else, well, now their avenger is coming after you. And hey, maybe they get the wrong target and you live. But if you're the wife or the, or the, the, the daughter or the sister or the mother of, cause we're explicitly talking about his mom. That's why I'm mm-hmm. specifying that gender. If you are this person to those people and you know that this person who is important to you has, has avenged someone else, well, you can kind of, you kind of can assume that they're next unless you get really lucky and the person coming after them gets the wrong target. And so, She's just to, living this. To be clear, when I, to be clear, when I meant when I said that it was speculation on our part, I meant just it is speculation that we can be pretty sure her that she would be anticipating this because oh, if she knows the rules, she's absolutely anticipating it. Right, just to the degree that we don't get her voice on it, that is the limit of that's the degree to which it's speculation. It is speculation because we never hear from her directly, but like. It it is actually right. stated in the text. It's not book speculation. It's character speculation. Yeah, 
Right. We don't know that she would have this in her head, but other people in the book definitely would, and it is completely reasonable to think that she would as well. Well, I would argue that we do have pretty clear indication that she would have this in her head, because her older son and her younger son know the rules, Mm -hmm. and their father was dead, like you said, like, super early for both of them, and and possibly, maybe, we don't even know if he was- it was after the younger one was even born so the father even if he taught his older son the rules at eight somebody had to reinforce that and somebody else had to teach the younger Uh, son like it is it is it is uh, it is unreasonable to me to think that the mom would not have the same outlook here because her youngest child does right uh buck taught sean the rules that's that's in the text. Yeah, yeah. Buck talks on the rules, but you like the idea that the mother would not be thinking along these lines. Like that that does not seem like speculation to me. That seems like a that like that doesn't seem internally consistent with the story. But but I, I understand why why you're saying like we just don't get her. Yeah, technically she doesn't come over and say. By the way, I also agree. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, all I was trying to say is that yeah, it's technically we don't have her perspective yes yeah and there's also a lot of um like patriarchal stuff in the way the rules are passed down and she probably knows them but they're passed down to the men and the boys i do not want to miss the second part of our topic which is the effect that we explicitly know that all of this to whatever degree that she is aware of it she has eczema and um she scratches herself bloody um one of the quotes from um after her son dies is she'd been scratching all night maybe trying to scratch the guilt away um, the guilt that her son died because he he died while he was going to the store for lotion for her eczema. Yeah, and it doesn't make it her fault. It abs- it does not make it her fault. But Will is interpreting it as his mom feeling guilty because her her son Sean was at that place at that time to get something yeah. for her. Alright, let's go on and to topic two. Yeah, I it's the the thing is that it's both it's it's both literally something that she's doing and it's also very emblematic of the situation where it is physically she is tearing herself up from the stress of all of this. And I don't know. It, it implies a sense of helplessness, like she can't do anything about this. And stress is making it worse. And scratching is making it worse. And just everything is making this worse. And she can't do anything about the actual problem. Okay. So our next topic is what do we label this one? Oh, premeditation premeditation of murder of murder yeah this is specifically the premeditation part uh which is a little bit different of a take 
Yeah, it's a little bit sideways to call the premeditation a trauma, but... But it is. It It is. It, at the very least, it is the expression of a lifetime of related trauma honing into this very particular ideation and set of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. You could call it something else. We called it this. We Honestly, we behind the scenes, <laughs> peek behind the curtain for you all. We debated about the topic of this section for like 10 minutes. We we took... Yeah, we debated about whether to talk about this for longer than we will spend talking about it. We also... Yeah, and longer than it took us to write the notes. Like, we were like, what do we call this forever? Now, and and this is this is the closest we came up with. For the actual topic, uh, it is... He spends the entire book, he being Will, spends the entire book planning and contemplating killing Riggs. Riggs is the person whom Will believes killed his brother, Sean, at the start of the book. So it's wild that we try very hard in our podcast to not just summarize and just list a bunch of stuff about the book every time. But with this particular book, it's really, really hard not to. Because that's really the whole book. The whole book are the is the connections and his intent to kill this person. And it's actually kind of a big deal that he only thinks this is the killer. Like, he actually right. he has this he's internal monologue sure. about how he's pretty sure, but what if he's wrong? <laughs> and mm-hmm. he keeps... And the book leaves space for him to be Oh, yeah. And we'll get to that more in our next topic. But for now, it matters that, like, the whole structure of this book is that he, his brother has died, and now he went upstairs to get a gun at some indeterminate amount of time after his brother died. Went upstairs. His brother's gun, I believe. Yes, his brother's gun. He went upstairs to get his brother's gun. And in the one minute ride down the elevator, he is being visited by the ghosts of people who have died. We'll talk about them a little <laughs> bit more in the next section. I love this mechanic. But can I just say? It's really, really cool. And cool in like a uh, ways to do a book sense. It, it's cool in like a storytelling sense. Yeah. Yeah. I realized cool isn't a great way to describe <laughs> this. Um, it's interesting. This is not... <laughs> It is, it is very well done. It's like, it's weirdly meditative and, but also, also very like keyed up and anxious at the same time. It encourages you to think a lot, but you're thinking a lot about a very stressful thing. And Will is thinking a lot about a very stressful thing. He's having constant thoughts about, or repeated thoughts about the gun and how many bullets he has. And it is a gun that can hold uh, 16 bullets between the chamber and the all the gun things. <laughs> Robin's not a gun bullets. person. Spoiler alert. I am not. Uh, nope. Uh, it has 15 bullets in it because one round has already been fired. 15 bullets. And Will is 15 years old. And those two things oh, I thought it was are mentioned separately. Is it 14 bullets? I thought it was 14, one for every year of his... I might be wrong. It's one for every year of his life, because, and I'm pretty sure it's 15. The notes have it as 15. I don't remember at this um, point. Uh, let me check. 15 bullets. I consulted the internet. Okay, cool. Google says it's 15. Yeah, just double checking. Yeah, so 15 bullets because one had already been fired, and only one. And with this, he... 
he's thinking about how he he thinks he needs to do this thing, but he's also scared. And he's both emotionally very convinced that this is the person who did it and that he and even more so that he needs to kill the person who killed his brother. But also intellectually, he's having room to have doubt about whether or not Riggs actually did it. And that's a lot of cognitive dissonance. And he's this entire book is him trying to figure out this tension during this elevator ride. Like, it, it takes the one-minute thing, like, very seriously, not in terms of, like, as you're actually flipping through the pages, most of them don't have a lot of individual text, but if you look at the timestamps along the top of the page, um, a lot of action happens in each very small stretch of time, and so it makes it feel very fast and also very, like, languid. It make it conveys through text the feeling of, of slow motion. Like... It's like, it's like every second takes 10 years, but things never stop happening in those 10 years. Yeah. So we're going to have, we're going to touch more on this when we go to our next topic, like elements of this premeditation, but wanted to highlight Mm -hmm. it here because that he has all of this angst and anguish and thought and emotional energy going into, I I need to do this. I'm supposed to do this, but I don't know if I should do this or if it'll be against the right person if I do. That is the premeditation. Any concluding thoughts for this? I mean, really, like, those are kind of the highlights. And, like, I will say this, like, the I, I really like, and I'm saying this now because in our third topic we have so much more to cover. I really love that we as an audience don't get a conclusion. We don't get to know whether or not he actually does it. And also, we don't know, independently of our main character, uh, we actually don't know if Riggs did it. There's so much of, like, exposition in books where, in so many books, where, you know, the the reader kind of relies on the author to say, like, hey, here's the conclusion. And, like, this book intentionally leaves that conclusion out. And it leaves you finishing this book with like this this weird like edge of the cliff sensation would you call it a cliffhanger but there's never gonna i would not there's probably not gonna be a sequel i would not call it a cliffhanger because you're not hanging you haven't fallen yet but you just don't know if you will Mm -hmm. actually (laughs) okay i like your pun (laughs) but no (laughs) it's it's not a cliffhanger it's it's just a weird like it's a weird lack of resolution that really, from, like, a reader perspective, it, it's a really good way. Like, this book does a very good job in an immersive sense of having the reader feel the feelings that this character is going through and and care and, and even... Because this text is presented as poetry and even the way, like, visual poetry. So even, like, the way the words are on the page and the way things are set up and how your eyes have to move to read it and how it's like just everything about it is set up for you to feel in the moments in the book the way this character is is feeling in the book and the lack of a conclusion in the ending is such a good solid finish to that because everything in this book is the premeditated part there is no conclusion 
There's no, I don't know what you want to call it, satisfaction of knowing how it ends. Not satisfaction whether or not he commits the, the, the murder, but just like that satisfied feeling of, oh, I know where all the pieces are. <laughs> we don't get that. No. We just don't. We don't. And so it, it's just, it's just a really interesting, really solid way of, of, of keeping you in that character and, and understanding his headspace and leaving it as poetry. And it's, it's just, it's just really well done. But it is something where yeah. if, if endings that are nebulous in books bother you, this is the worst. <laughs> this is the worst <laughs> example of that. Deliberately so. Worst as in it'll bother you the most. It's yeah. Very well done. Yeah. Very well done. But if that kind of, if you need conclusion, oh boy, is this not the book for you? <laughs> and here we've talked about it being poetry. Um, I am, I'm actually married to a poet. I want to be clear. This is not like most poetry. I would, I think of this one less as poetry and more, uh, and more as a novel with all of the extraneous stuff stripped down so that all you have isn't all poetry it's just exactly. novels with all the extraneous stuff stripped down, Robin? Have you read Avis poetry? If you had read Avis poetry, you I would not I have read Avis poetry, that. and <laughs> i i would I would argue that uh, I would I would argue that Avis poetry is is still that, except instead of a novel, it's just uh, it's art but words, very stripped down. <laughs> well, that's true. That is yeah. all it is. So anyway, um, it is. It is definitely, it's definitely poetry rather than a normal novel. But if you are thinking, oh no, they just read a book of poems. If if you're a poetry elitist who wants to read a poetry collection. This is not a poetry collection. That's not what this yeah. is. It's poetry format. Yes. It's not a single and poem. It serves it very mm -hmm. well. For the Cycle of Violence Revenge Edition, we have a list of mostly connected deaths. Danny <laughs> was killed while playing on a playground, probably stray bullets from some killing that was happening. We don't know which one. Then, the rest of these are chronological. We have Uncle Mark, who was killed by someone who wanted his corner. We have his brother, Mikey, who is Will's father, who tried to kill Mark's killer, killed the wrong guy, and then was killed by one of that person's friends. Then some indeterminate number of deaths later, we have Buck, who is killed by Frick. Then we have Frick, who is killed by Sean. And then Sean, oh, wait. we don't know who killed him. Frick, who was killed so, by Sean. Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, yep. That's fine. Frick, who was killed Frick by Sean, and then Sean was killed. And then Sean is killed by someone. Will thinks it was his former friend Riggs, probably yeah. because he was in the same gang that Frick was trying to get into, but we don't know that for sure. Yeah. The first main point we have for this is that Will's father was murdered for killing the man who killed his brother, that brother being Will's uncle. Will is too young to remember what happened. He has what his brother told him, which is what Buck told told him. And so he's two steps removed from anyone who will tell him what happened. Mm -hmm. Probably the mom knows, but she's not saying if she does. And there's this lineage of, of revenge, this cycle of violence as we were saying mm -hmm. and it's 
almost all male characters, the one female character, Danny, who dies, she dies because of someone else's um, violence. No one was taking revenge on her as like an eight-year-old on the playground. And there's a severe the, implication that she's just caught by a stray bullet at some for some reason. Yeah, like yeah, like it's, Will it doesn't actually didn't say, know enough. but like you get you get that perspective of like Will being too young of a child to really know what was happening. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and they were killed. They took revenge, and then they were killed in revenge for that. And now we're you know over a decade later, and Will loses Sean, who was his father figure, since Will died when he was a baby. And that brings us to the rules. The <laughs> rules that are driving this whole thing. Well, because Sean fills I, I the father I wouldn't the rules role. are driving it, but the rules are... The rules are a, the structure... A nicely codified yeah. breakdown the, of what is currently happening. Yeah, the, dr- the rules are the shape that codifies the individual impulse for revenge into a mandate that ensures that it is a cycle of violence and not just random incidents. And these will these rules are crying, don't no matter what, snitching, mm-hmm. don't no matter what, and revenge, do no matter what. Yeah, it's it's a a very stark representation of an eye for an eye leaves lead, uh, leaves the whole world blind. Mm-hmm. Except in this case, it's a life for a life. Eventually, everybody dies. Yeah, like that is really what is what is happening here, and and explicitly, yeah. like that mm-hmm. is what is happening because if because everyone is always like if everyone is re- avenging each other, then that's it. And and they they kind of hinted that in the in the text, or Will kind of hints it as as he's thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't. He doesn't think about it as a, oh no, this is a problem. He thinks about it as a, well, I guess it's my turn, kind of a way, like, right? Oh well. And that's part of what lets there be the ambiguity that we discussed earlier, because we don't know if he decides to follow the rules or not. This whole ride down the elevator, this minute, this is his. This is his time deciding whether he is going to follow the rules just this one minute and it'll determine whether he's one more person in the cycle or not. It also, because the world is not just these people, that at the very least their neighborhood and their community is more than this, even if Will decides not to follow the rules this time, doesn't mean that there's going to be no more violence it just means that he decided not to continue this one moment this one moment this one part of it yeah it's so so normally we talk about books from the perspective that the author inflicted trauma on the characters and that isn't Mm -hmm. right for this one this is not we want to be very clear about that since that's normally how we approach books this is an author depicting in a very moving way um, a kind of cycle that really happens. And it's not, we do not see this one as the author inflicting this upon these characters, but rather, rather putting on the page. Um, I I would actually like to go one step yeah? further. Okay. I don't, and... Uh, 
I'm not saying this is the only way to interpret this book. Okay. And I have opinions about this that we'll get to in the wrap up. Uh, but I actually think this is the author using the characters to inflict an understanding about this on the reader. Mm-hmm. An emotional understanding. Right. Um, and it's a very effective way. Like I kind of a little bit talked about this in, in topic two. It's a very effective way of, of doing that. Uh, the reader, as a reader, you really like the, the poetry format, the, the the kind of stripped down starkness of everything that's happening, the back and forth in Will's mind, the flashbacks that you get of different people and the memories and the ghosts and the everything that's in here does a very, very, very good job of having you as a reader kind of go through the emotions as Will is going through them. Um, and I think that it's, I, I would argue that in most books that are, most books are are set up for you as a reader to kind of walk beside the characters and watch them have a journey, right? That's how most books are. Of all genres. Even even a lot of horror books. Yeah. You're supposed to sit there and watch the violence and go, oh no! And that's it. This is a book that feels like the point is for you to experience it. Yeah. To get an understanding and, and empathy. And it's yeah. it's walking a very fine line of saying... I want you to understand why someone would do this. Yeah. And why they shouldn't. Yeah. It 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 feels like a book where the point is it doesn't matter if you're in that that mindset and you need to understand how to get out or or that you need out, I should say, not how, but that you need out. Or if you just don't get it and you need to understand and empathize and be able to help somebody. Like, that's what this book feels like. It feels like it works both ways and that that's intentional. Yeah. Um, but, it, but it does mean that, like, like Robin said, it's not the author inflicting trauma on his characters. Instead, it's the characters pouring out their story in a way that is supposed to impact the reader. This is not a book that you're supposed to read for fun before you go to bed. <laughs> This is not a book, this is not a horror book that you read for a thrill. <laughs> like, that's not what this is. Um, and it's, it's very well done. But also for our purposes, when we're talking about, like, impact on the reader and, and how the care, the author treats their characters, this book, spoiler alert, is not going to get, like, a quote unquote good rating in our scales. <laughs> but that's intentional. Th this author very, very, is not going for a story that you're supposed to watch happen. You're supposed to experience this and then, like, understand it and get it. And we say probably not getting a good rating on our scales. We mean if you consider a good rating to be with care and yeah, uh, less stressful versions. <laughs> well, to of be fair, we talk about books doing a good job if they get like, True. like it's consistent with our the way we yeah. view it. But I want to be clear. Um, this I is think a wonderful this is book. A very this is a book. great book. It just it it is definitely a book where if somebody has trauma in any way, shape, or form related to gun violence, especially revenge killing gun violence, I would or, or never revenge killing not this. done by guns, knives, because strangulation. Yeah. Don't really want to list more ways that that could happen, but yes. <laughs> 
I mean, I can uh, give you some. There's way more I'm poisoning of various types. Our audience. A lot of times, revenges yeah. are poison. So, there are many. <laughs> There's a lot, but specifically yeah. gun violence, because so much of Will's, Will's thoughts is like gun focused. Yep. Like if you have trauma from any of those things, I am not recommending this book to you. But also, if you want one of your friends to understand it, well, not recommend. not to understand gun violence, but to no, no, no perspective on the impact yeah um, of yeah, a particular yeah, yeah. kind there we of go. gun violence <laughs> yes that is what i meant yeah looking for a new podcast check out the infectious groove podcast my name is russ and i host the show along with michelle and kyle every monday the three of us bring you music news and tell you our jammy jam so you'll always have new music to check out the Infectious Groove podcast discusses music from nearly every decade and genre while openly displaying our passion for music you need to hear. On top of that, we have a thought-provoking main topic of discussion every week to get you thinking, discussing, and sharing music. We also include interviews with the music stars of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms. Subscribe and listen to the Infectious Groove podcast on your favorite podcast platform today. For the wrap-up and ratings, for our first topic, Death of Family, what is the gratuity rating? Oh, Lord. Um, It's technically off-screen and backstory. Technically. Yes. We want to be very clear, dear audience. It is technically off-screen and backstory, but in terms... It's very present (laughs) off-screen. So the main topic was death of family. I feel like we should mention that a very closely accompanying topic for this was self-harm. And the self-harm was off-screen. Off-screen, but talked about pretty explicitly. And moderate. I'd say it was a mix of off-screen and moderate because we don't actually see it. But the description of it in a couple of places is pretty visceral. Yeah. So your mileage may vary. It's going to be somewhere between moderate and severe. It it personally makes me itch. Let's put it that way. Yep. So the main topic or the main part for this section, death of family, um, backstory and off screen with moderate elements. I'm going to, I'm just putting all three. I think it's a premeditation of murder. Severe. Severe. Yep. I just straight up intense the, the ideation. Only it's kind thing, of the point of the book. The only thing that keeps it off of torture porn levels is that you as a reader, the way it is described and ex- and the way you kind of experience it, it is definitely not advocating for it. Yeah. Like, well, it would be super easy to take the actual, like, setup for this book and flip it to be torture porn with very little effort. But it's not. We want to be very clear. It's not. But it's not. It's deliberately not, but oh boy, is, is it a severe a depiction specific, of this thing. It's specifically a lack of glorification of this yes, topic. Yes, but it's a very, very, very severe lack of glorification. Yep. Um, and for Cycle of Violence Revenge Edition, again, severe, severe with a specific move to remove glorification yeah. from this thing. Yeah. Um, for but- integral... Oh, man. I just thinking about it, like for both of those, really, I don't even think you'd have to change words. I think if you just deleted like a couple sentences every page or so, you would suddenly have torture porn on both topics. Yep. Like it's, it's that 
it's so precise how close it is. Mm-hmm. It's deliberately not crossing that line because that's the whole point. But it's so, so close. Yep. Uh, why this trauma? Is it integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant? Integral. Death of family is integral. Premeditation of murder is integral. <laughs> and cycle of violence revenge is integral. This This is a very bare book bones has, book. It has everything it needs and, and very literally little that it nothing else. Skipped. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. This is a, a super like it's it's very emotionally raw and story stripped down to like bare bone components. And it has no it there's nothing about this book that isn't integral to its experience. Yeah. Um but unfortunately that also does mean that from a from a reader trauma perspective, um there is there's no way to not get hit by the severity of these topics and the severity in how they're depicted. Yeah, not a lot of cushion. There's nothing you can skip. There's nothing you can, you know, read really quickly and move on. Like, there's none of that. Yeah. For trauma being treated with care, I... Deliberately not. Yes, deliberately not. It's weird because usually we think of care as, like, how much intentionality did they put into depicting the trauma? Like, there's some overlap with that concept. Here, it's... We have we have a couple of different yeah. definitions for care, and which one we use kind of depends on the book and the book's goal and purpose. And for this, we want to be clear, it's very, very yeah. intentional, and it is intentionally not filled with emotional care yeah the point is for you to understand how the point is for you to feel it and you can't feel it it the point is for the these topics to be severe and for you as a reader to go through them as a severe topic and if these topics were treated with any any care in our grading system at all this book would be kind of pointless (laughs) It, it, it wouldn't, wouldn't be enough effect. of an emotional impact to, to matter, but instead yeah. it's not treated with care because the whole point is that you as a reader are directly in that emotional storm and you are experiencing it. Um, yeah. Th- this is a book about gun violence. Please take care of yourselves. If that's not something you're ready to do right now, then maybe skip it's, this It's one. a book about gun violence, but deliberate murder, and revenge. Very well done. Yeah. Yeah. For and point and view- uncertainty. For the point of view of the trauma and the aftermath, this, it's all Will, but yeah. we hear, because of the style, like, Will's the only one where we get inside his head, mm-hmm. but we do have, the whole the whole point of this book is that we get spoken to Will, the perspective <laughs> of these other people, and that yeah. makes this one a little bit more complicated to talk about for point of view, because in one it's- sense- <sighs> It's Will's perspective for his current trauma, but we're also mm-hmm. getting these other people's perspective on the aftermath of their own trauma. It it has a very much of a it 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 has a a oh man uh, my brain is telling me Mr. Scrooge. What's the what's the actual name of that that story what? that character? Oh, Christmas Carol. Christmas and it Carol. Is Scrooge. Thank you. Well, they did a Scrooge version. They no they they right no Scrooge is his name that scrooge mcduck is the character that yeah it's ebenezer scrooge oh oh ebenezer scrooge okay ebenezer scrooge it it has a very um ebenezer scrooge flashback to you know other people and and their experiences and you experiencing their experiences with them feel 
Except instead of trying to convince a uh, miserly hoarder to benefit other people with his wealth, uh, it's it's about experiencing their death and their motivations. <laughs> so, but it, it but it very much has that like Christmas Carol going back and being in that thing as it's being told to you kind of a feel is mm-hmm. what I'm the comparison I'm yeah. going for here. Looking at the past to try and change his future while also talking a lot about the present. Like it has some of those bones. Yes. Yeah, it has that feel but- of it. That like overlapping cycling memory with present thing. No, no, just to, just that the way the ghosts work is very much the same way that the ghosts work in in a Christmas Carol, and it and it has a similar it has a similar storytelling um like storytelling feel, not not story feel, but like storytelling feel. Okay, I see how you get there. I really think the elevator was a an excellent uh, storytelling device. It was so good. Oh, I think the yeah. elevator was great. I love the elevator is such a, um, a man. I'm, I'm not going to talk about it because <laughs> I don't want to ruin this book for anybody. I don't want them to go in yep. anticipating. All right. For the, Oh, that's right. This is a spoiler free section for the <laughs> aspiring writer tip. What do you have? <sighs> Oof. I, so this book if if this book was a novel that you are meant to experience as somebody else's story that's just kind of, you're kind of watching or going along for the adventure as they save the world or for the horror as they get in the horror book as they get um, trapped or or deal with ghosts or whatever this would actually be actually be rated kind of low on our like is this a good book did this handle things well kind of meters However, this book has a very intentional goal. It it comes across incredibly strongly. And it if I am talking to somebody about this book, I'm not going to recommend it to them unless I know that it's going to be like uh, recommending this book is going to come with kind of not spoilers, but it's going to come with kind of some pretty heavy like like hey, if this kind of a thing bothers you, then this isn't really a good book for you cuz it's going to it's going to be traumatizing to read for a lot of people for several different reasons. There's multiple reasons why the the sheer amount of immersion that as an audience member you kind of get in this book could be far too much. This is kind of a rare book where like I'm not going to just say it's not a good book. Like there's some books where I'm going to look at and go, no, those objectively have some pretty awful stuff that the book is advocating for. Like, I don't recommend that book. Um, and that's that's not true. I highly recommend this book. Yeah. But this book would come from me with some pretty solid, pretty heavy handed kind of kind of warnings about it, because it if you're somebody who needs all of the plot threads kind of closed off, especially because I there are people I know personally like this, like this is a this is a real thing people experience, especially if it gives you anxiety when they're not don't don't open this book. Don't even start it. It will be painful. If you have if you're somebody who has has trauma from from gun violence or from from revenge killings in your past, don't read this book. It's going to hurt a lot. It's probably going to reopen some things. It's so good and it's so immersive. Or at least be in an otherwise stable place before you do. I mean, 
even for that matter, like, it's such a tiny portion of this book, but kind of mentioned, like, there's some self-harm in here. It's, mm-hmm. it's barely even there. It's only, like, it's only there for, like, what, a couple pages or something? And the way the book is written in the poetry format, a couple pages is, like, almost no text at all. And, I mean, I think I, I, I don't remember if I said this here in the wrap-up or if I said this in the in the topic itself, but reading it makes my arms itch. It's yeah. barely there, barely brushes it. And it's, it's too much. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a very good book. If you can handle it, highly recommend it. So if you were to condense all that. But if you start it and it hurts, back out. <laughs> if you were to condense all that to a writer tip. A writer tip is that it's okay to, I guess that it's okay to inflict trauma on your readers if you have a point to doing it. Don't do it randomly. But like, you know, it's not always it a is bad o- thing. It's it is okay for books to stress out readers and yeah that can be done on purpose for a variety of reasons yeah or is an entire genre meant for that that's true but please be intentional yeah please don't just be careless yeah (laughs) this book is very intentional but if this book was Mm -hmm. careless about it it'd be so bad yeah uh favorite non-traumatic thing about the book um was there anything nope. i do actually have one thing i don't think there was anything i actually have one thing um mm, okay like it's bittersweet but the 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 interaction with danny before he figures out who she is um mm. was just like was just really sweet and even after he figures out who she is it's I, a different kind of, of bittersweet i would argue that that is not non-traumatic but it's probably as close as you're gonna get it is as close as you're gonna get it is it is a bright spot um in here it's a brighter spot in a very dark book it's it's a it's a dim spot in a dark book yeah i (laughs) the guys this we're not kidding this is not exaggerating at all yeah i i still this is maybe a little bit under under (laughs) emphasizing i yeah (laughs) it is hard to find something non-traumatic in this book but of the things that first bit of the interaction um and then also just i don't know like it was not quite non-traumatic but mostly like interesting mm-hmm. is just the way it tracks the density of cigarette smoke in the elevator oh yeah at all times constantly <laughs> it it's a weird way to have a connecting thread in the narrative and it is not the only connecting thread i want to be clear about that but it was an interesting connecting thread to have um was carefully gauging the amount of cigarette smoke and what people are or are not doing vis-a-vis smoking cigarettes Mm -hmm. in this elevator so that that's the thing uh do you have one if you don't have one it's okay i have one but it is not the story okay i actually as much as it is as much as as a format, it is it is genuinely genuinely hard for my brain to stay invested in long enough to read a lot of this. There's a whole Robin and I have talked about this before we started recording, and like I've I, there's people in my life that know this about, but like there's certain formats styles of storytelling that my brain just has a hard time focusing on. Uh, I don't really read most comics. I can't really focus on manga. I love a lot of different anime. I read type dense books because I like it, but I get very, very bored. Like my brain just kind of wanders off with certain things. And this particular like poetry style book is all, is one of those things. Um, but 
looking at it from a visual or visually artistic point of view, the way that the pages are set up is very incredibly well done and it's really interesting to look at. Like looking at the way and place and spacing and how he like chooses where different words are going to be and which words are going to be there and like even word choice where there's multiple sentences that uh, or multiple ways that a sentence could be phrased but he'll change which sentence phrasing he uses depending on the picture he's trying to paint on the page and it's just really cool as like a visual art side (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. which I realize is not like the book itself (laughs) Uh, but, but this is not something that like, you know, this isn't like a publisher decision. This was, this is the, the art of the book. So. Yeah. I think it counts. Is this. I think that's it. A good time to say who recommended this book to us or are you putting that in elsewhere? Uh, this is good. Okay. So, uh, want to thank the very helpful librarian from Worthington, Ohio, who recommended this uh, to me back uh, in December of 2019 when we were able to go into libraries. Um, but yeah, uh, very helpful librarian from Worthington, Ohio. I'm so sorry I didn't get your name, but thank you so much for helping me. And we did end up talking about it on the podcast. This month, we would like to welcome our new supporter on Patreon, Jeff Richardson. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And if you would like to join Jeff in supporting our show, uh, check us out on Patreon slash books that burn. Thank you so much. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. You can follow us on Twitter at Books That Burn, all one word. You can email us with questions, comments, or book recommendations at booksthatburn at yahoo.com. Support us on patreon.com slash booksthatburn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list and receive a one-time shout out. You can leave us an iTunes review. This helps people to find the show. And find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.